Yeah, well, we don't want to lose hope. We want to gain hope, hopefully. We want to keep it all positive on this Go Well program. I've got a lovely guest in uh, in the uh, studio at the moment, Glenn Williams. Welcome. G'day. How are you, Kate? Yeah, really good. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Lovely to be here, actually. Yeah. Yeah, nice to be on the other side of the desk. Yeah, it is actually, but it's always tricky. I never know if I'm too close or too far away. It's It's funny. It's got no difference at all with the mic, but you always tend to be a bit more, I don't know, relaxed or a bit more intense on the other side because yeah. you're, you're you're sort of not in as control, I suppose. And But, yeah, no, it's lovely to be here. Thanks. And always listen in. Yes. So it's been a terrific show. So. Oh, thank you so much. Well, mm. I just want to give our listeners a bit of uh, background to you coming on the show today. So last week I interviewed Dr Stephen Chow from the Melbourne mm. Clinic. The Melbourne <laughs> Clinic, some people may or may not know, is an addiction clinic. And Glenn actually put me on, to, suggested that I actually get hold of the clinic because you yourself have been been there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was talking about a lot about opioid misuse and addiction, actually, on that interview. But um, yeah, I just when you sort of texted into me that day and said you're enjoying the show, I sort of said I thought oh, if I should ask Glenn to come <laughs> in. I wasn't sure if I should or not. So because you've been there, and I think it's really special when. When someone is prepared to sort of tell their own story sometimes, so thank you. you want to That's say okay. That first up. Yeah. So what led you to being at the Melbourne Clinic? Um, it, it's a fairly long story, so I'll keep it as short as I can. The uh, I hurt my back years ago playing football, and um, when I wanted to get into the army, they initially sort of said, well, you've had a back injury, you've had surgery. No. And then I sort of reapplied later on, got back, got into the army, which is unusual having a back injury. Then I seriously injured my back in the army, Um, had a number of other injuries that really uh, are still with me. Um, And then one thing led to another. I developed a very, very nasty disease, which started sort of eating away at me on the inside. Um, so when I came to have to have some surgery on my lungs and my lymph tissue and that, they found that the only thing that was really suitable for me was to have pethidine on a very regular basis. That literally started a cycle of uh, having different types of opioids. Um, I had a thing called palfium, which is actually a lot stronger than pethidine. Um, and I never realised the addiction side back then because I was reasonably fit and uh, the first time I actually ever had palfium I thought oh that's great I actually feel good I can function you did have definite euphoria and I took that for a week and then stopped and then that was it. I noticed straight away that there was definitely a, a big issue because I, I always described it as I felt like I wanted to cut my arms off. So you knew that you're addicted to it because uh, the, the withdrawals were so severe. And so the, the doctors were very good. They tried to wean me off it a bit, but then the pain got bad again. And look, one thing led to another. Um, I got stuck on opioids. Uh, for, for over a, a long period of time. So it was a, really about pretty close to 20 years of uh, various opioids. Um, 
I don't do well on medications. Uh, I've ne- I've um, all your anti-inflammatories and things either used to make me vomit or just didn't work. And I think a lot of the time that's you. <laughs> I don't know whether it's actually the drug. Mm, I think it's you yes. saying it's not working, and you want to get back to the the stronger drug. And so mm. <sighs> eventually, the the rules changed started to change about 10 years ago and you had to see a specialist if you wanted to get uh, these opioids on a regular basis. So I got sent down to Melbourne to see a doctor by the name of Dr John Chow who works alongside Stephen. Dr John Chow though is um, he's a specialist in addiction and he saw me for about three years and then one day said I think you're a candidate for the Melbourne Clinic, and I had no idea what that meant. And he explained it to me over the next seven years. God. That's how long it took to get me into there, to convince me to actually go there. Wow. Um, so it was a, a very, very long process, and but a very, very gentle process, I must admit, <laughs> because you, I was always convincing myself that I was okay, um, as long as I had the tablets, I, I could function. Um, I was still doing everything while I was raising a family. Um, I was heavily involved with the schools. Um, my wife was the one working, so I was at home doing all the house duties and cooking. And, uh, and I was actually involved with about six different organisations at the time, so I was functioning quite okay, and I thought it was all right until I had to stop, you know, until you actually mm. came off them a little bit or mm. uh, ran out. That was always the dreaded thing, it's running out. But because I had um, a, a veteran affairs script which goes for a month, you knew that that was going to be reissued. So you really didn't have that many issues about it other than guilt, which was a, a really serious part about it. You felt very, very guilt. I felt very, very guilty taking them um, but I knew that as soon as I stopped I'd have that I want to cut my arms off thing again and you don't manage very well so uh, eventually I said yes what's the guilt about what were you guilty for um, How much time? just basically feeling um, that I'm reliant on something that mm. you know th- things are you know you, you, you're really relying on things and and uh, yeah, because you're such yeah. a healthy functioning person before you went on the yep. medication, you mm-hmm. wanted to get back to that, yep. and but you realise that you yeah yeah it's a very tricky thing and and look you do know that your behaviour changes you you notice all those sort of things but you keep saying to yourself oh, oh, I'm all right you know and put yourself in a box and. It, uh, because you become very short-tempered. Um, my, I react quickly as it is, which is just, I suppose, through training, I guess. But um, when I f- found that on the opioids, and I reacted really fast to things. And that's scary for people mm. around you, especially your family and those you care about. Mm. So, yeah, there was a lot of guilt from that. And I felt, well, just the simple fact that I would actually go away, take tablets sit down for a couple of hours um, and try not to be bothered, you know, try not to have anyone disturb me for a little while. Mm. Um, it really messes with your sleep because uh, you you want to feel the experience, the, the euphoria of the tablet, so you actually stay awake. 
rather than sleep with them. You get really sucked in. It's a uh, a real vortex of just you just can't get out. You really can't. Oh, well, you know, I didn't even know our conversation was going to be about this today because mm. as uh, usually I do a lot of pre- well, I do prep before I um, interview anyone, mm. and I knew this was going to be an organic thing. So mm. I had no idea that you were going to be talking about this i mean these are the things that i guess most of us actually don't want to hear Mm. you know because well medications you know we know they are they can be a good thing but to actually find out that they're not and you know the addictive nature of them i think is it's really hard to even accept it yeah your your previous guest uh, really nailed it when she said that every drug or medication whatever it is has sometimes have positives Mm. Um, and well generally hopefully have positives but they there's always negatives and for opioids they're extreme they really are yeah well I mean that's why I'm getting onto it because I mean I've been looking over at America and reading books and stuff Mm. on how bad it is there and I mean yeah it's terrible so it's it's about really um, you know not not alarming people but I mean that's what health literacy is about if we're all informed and educated on what these things can do. And actually, I've been thinking recently, another really good thing is, you know, because we've got this small amount of time when we go to the doctor, 15 minutes, sometimes it's hard to take in everything that they say. So even I think it's a good idea if you go with someone. I'm going to start talking about that aspect of when we go to see our doctors. I'm currently talking with uh, Glenn Williams, absolutely fascinating, with his experience at the Melbourne Clinic which is an addiction clinic, and he's talking about some um, events in his life which led him to be quite addicted to opioids. So coming back to where we're up to, mm-hmm. so when you were actually went to see Dr. Stephen Chow, mm-hmm. what, was the, what was the process that you went through with him? Okay, uh, Dr. John Chow is the one that actually booked me into the clinic and got me a spot because there's, there's sort of a two-process. There's one where you can go in for about 10 days, which is uh, basically to get you off the medication. And then um, if they feel that you're suitable... Uh, they'll keep you for more like another four to five weeks to um, try to get you back into life without relying on medication. And they also put you through a um, like a replacement therapy. And I'll explain that a bit in a minute. Uh, with Dr. John Chow, he's sort of your specific person that talks about um looks after you from an addiction point of view and he would check in on me sort of uh well daily to daily that sort of thing so the, the the very first day is the and i don't mean to frighten anyone the scariest day of my life um i've been shot at i've been chased and hunted and all sorts of things that's the scariest day of my life and um but it's well worth having it's actually well worth having that scary day because you you walk in and you actually think you're going to get away with having your life as it was before but you also know that it's going to get taken from you (laughs) so it's a very very tricky Mm. time Um, you feel treated a little bit like um, they go through all of your belongings 
all of your pockets, your linings, everything. They make sure that you haven't got any uh, tablets, spare tablets on you. They want to know exactly when you took your tablets last uh, because when replacement therapy comes in, um, there's very specific things that that does to your system so they don't want to overload you or underload you or sorts of with uh, a, a placement therapy is a medication that has a tiny tiny amount of the opioid in it but it also has other drugs in it that helps stabilize you and I didn't think that would work I really didn't I, I had no real belief in it after my first day that is basically you're pretty much on your own with the nurses uh, because the whole thing is about literally um, coming off the drug and having that terrible withdrawal, the 24 hours of withdrawal. And so you're pretty well awake, asleep, awake, asleep. And uh, so you finally, if you get through that, which is, they are, they're incredible, they just look after you they follow you they, you know you're not allowed out of the building anyway but they stay with you and make sure that you're okay and then finally the sun comes up and you've noticed that you've actually got done 24 hours without medication for the first time in 20 years God, I'm so you're, you're just washed out absolutely washed out and then they come up to you that you're met by your psych uh, who was Stephen Chow, and they explain the process to you through um, your general doctor, who in my case the specialist was John Chow, then Stephen Chow, then a fellow by the name of Spike, who turned out to be sort of my um, go-to carer, counsellor, psych, psych everything, just the go-to person, and uh, and the nurses, and they just tell you how you're going to manage for the next 10 days and the idea is is that you just do as you're told now having come from the army to me that was great i just went thank you i'll do that once you start me on this uh, replacement therapy i'll just do whatever you tell me to do um, i'll ask a lot of questions which i did I, I thought it was very okay to ask a lot of questions and then you go up take this one dose of replacement therapy your very first one and then you suddenly find out that all you need is this tiny little wafer to get you through the day instead of 30 tablets god it's just astonishing to mm. you know to listen to you have to say mm. oh, it's astonishing yeah it's tricky. It's look, the thing that I found about the the the, uh, the clinic. To to be honest, was that it was so incredibly organised. There's no judgement on anyone. You're actually mixing in with uh, people with all sorts of addictions, whether it be alcohol, um, ice, um, the opioids. And you go through lots of different processes. They, the whole idea is to get you to live with yourself and to actually like yourself because, to be honest with you, the main thing that I took from it was that if you're addicted to something, you're actually not liking yourself. Mm. And I hadn't liked myself for a long time. And that was very challenging with children. Um, you want to be positive with children and mm. things. So that was another bit of the guilt side of it. I absolutely adore my wife and the last thing I ever wanted to do was ever let her, you know, L down. 
so a lot of it was about trying to get some sort of stable life again and you can't have it if you're addicted to anything in my opinion anyway Uh, so they'll take you through good old group therapy um, Stephen, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> one of my not favourite things. Uh, but the the good thing about group therapy was it actually got you to listen to other people, mm. realise you're not on your own. Uh, th- there were some issues there that I found there was a, a little bit of a what I found was a, maybe a double standard because I was big and f- and fit, I suppose, or appeared fit. I didn't think I was fit. But um, I, a lot of people said, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. You haven't got real problems. And I thought, oh, okay. So I, that made me feel a bit odd. But that wasn't from the nurses or the, the doctors or specialists. That was just simply from other people that had what I saw as some really, really seriously sad problems. Um, but in the end, you, there are some people that will work against you because your personalities just clash. And Stephen advised me heavily on that, not to get involved with personality clashes or anything, and that was really good advice. Uh, there's one that still sticks in the back of my head, but um, you go through things like art therapy, dance therapy, you do an exercise period each week, and, and I really made all of those. You just accepted them and just said, okay, I'm going to do it. I don't care how silly I look on a dance, mm. in dance therapy or and just make it fun and art therapy was always great for me because I just I love to just play Mm. Um, (laughs) no great artist but I love to play and it allowed you to explore things again in an enjoyable way Mm. and to start finding the fun in yourself again Mm. and just accepting yourself and you'd have these very long that if you really, if someone was looking from the outside, appear intense talks with people like Stephen and uh, John, and it just hearing his voice was really interesting because I actually I haven't seen John Chow for a while. I talked to him on the phone now because of COVID, and then hearing both of their voice is incredibly soothing. And that's why I said to you that day, I said I can't get over how much hearing Stephen's voice was soothing. Mm. And he had, he actually um, met me at a time that I was actually very angry. Uh, somebody had upset me quite a bit. And it's not because that upset me that upset other people in the room. So I got all defensive and did something that made a loud bang. And people thought I was losing it, but I wasn't really. I just spun around and hit something with a cup. And instead of this hard line approach it was simply are you okay it was that famous little simple thing that everyone talks about now and i went no mate i'm not i'm you know want to punch a wall down sort of thing and they just sat me down again and uh, brought me back to where i needed to be they allow you to have time one of the trickiest parts in there and i, and I thought i really must mention this sorry if we're, we're cutting on time but they actually get you to go over your life in front of the group. And the only way that I could do that was in images. So I did a lot of drawings. I used photos that I was able to get from my um, computer. And so I told everybody my life in, in images and a story. And that was incredibly helpful to actually pinpoint 
moments in your life where you thought, yeah, I had a happy childhood, but this was a moment that I still remember. And it's really odd how you actually focus on these little pot times. And there's a few moments in my life that I'm not proud of and uh, <laughs> wish I had over again. And the response from the group was more, oh, that was well organised and well put together, but they didn't ask me anything about my life. And I, I found that daunting, I really did, because it, we, we used to always talk about people's lives and and where their experiences and how they'd seen themselves through their life. And I had learning challenges when I was a kid and, and um, things that people take for, sort of take for granted. They think, oh, well, you're, you know, you're, you're big and fit and you've, you've had a good life and you mustn't have had any challenges, and you, everyone does. And that was the other thing about the group side that you really find out everybody has issues. Mm. So over time you learn to the people that benefit talking to you you learn from everybody but there's some that I found were really really handy and then you start getting little extra freedoms to go out for a walk and have a coffee outside and so they start to teach you to trust yourself mm. without going racing off and trying to find medication. Um, and it was, I probably have to say they saved my life. Without doubt, they saved my life because there's, I probably could have kept tricking myself to saying I'm okay. I mean, I was in here for two years on on uh, working at Main FM doing five hours, six hours radio a week um, while I was still on medication. And I couldn't wait to get home <laughs> to take those pills sometimes. So, yeah. I mean, it's this is why I said I call it the elephant in the room in terms of it's the sort of thing that people don't talk about. When, mm. I, when I interviewed Stephen, I sort of said, well, who are the people who are coming to the clinic? And they're not people who are addicted to opioids. That's Their biggest, he said, is probably alcoholics, Airbus, actually. Yeah. But um, So then what do you say to, to people who might be listening in or about what would... What would you tell them to do? What would you say to them? I really do think that if you if you were on opioids or, or addicted to anything, then you need it's I found having an honest and I mean honest conversation with your doctor to actually say, I want help, I want out. Mm. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Um, you know, it really is. But the difference in my life is extraordinary. Um, mm. I can I can live with myself again, which before I wasn't. When mm. when you're when you're taking something constantly, mm. you're actually not living with yourself. You're mm. living with it, and they actually the whole purpose of the exercise to go in there for, and that was the great thing when they said, "Oh look, we're prepared to offer you the the extra six weeks. I think it was uh, six to seven weeks to really get your life back together again." Um, is so that you actually start living with yourself again. And you start trusting yourself and managing life. And I, to be honest with you, found that quite straightforward. I know some other things are trickier. I can't imagine, you know, what that would be like for other people and other other things. But the the tricky thing about 
opioid use is they make you feel good. Whereas I find if if I have get alcohol makes you feel terrible, I feel you know the next day you feel mm. awful. Yeah. Um, things so like. to give up something that does actually yeah that's yeah that makes yeah. I actually described it to someone. It's like um, I found it replaced a hug. It replaced warmth, body warmth. So you became more and more distant mm. from people. Um, and you, yeah, I, I described it to someone who was a, had been an addict for nearly the better part of their life from the age of 13. And they said, oh, that, that, that's mum's hug. And I went, oh, no, don't say that, please, please, please. And they were so right. It's, it's, it replaces the wow. warmth, that body warmth. Like mother's mm. little helper. Yeah, but, yeah, look, go to your doctor, talk to your doctor honestly, say that you actually are truly reliant on something. They'll know. Mm. And then ask to go to that next step because, the it, it, look, there's some really harsh places out there to get off uh, drugs and alcohol. Uh, Melbourne Clinic is it's, it's a house full of angels as far as I'm concerned. It's an amazing place. Well, look, thank mm. you so much for coming on and sharing mm. your story today, Pleasure. Colleen Williams. I mean, mm. that's uh, I hope... A lot of people have got value from that. Certainly it's what I'm banging the drum a bit about these days is just to be careful of some of these medications mm. and it's all about just being aware. Even, you know, doctors, everybody, we're all saying it. So, yep. um, And it's about taking more responsibility, I guess. But yeah, it's it not is. easy. And as you say, mm. I'm really happy that you sort of said, okay, so what do people do? Talk to their doctor first, but make that first step. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's very nice being addicted to anything, and it's no. easy to. I mean, I've been a smoker. Smoking's insidious, yep. you know, and alcohol, all of the, all of those things. I do think, like alcohol, I do still like to have a glass of wine at mm. night. Well, <laughs> you've got, you've got yeah. to be careful with it. Just be aware, don't you? I think. That's one of the things. If you once you've been on opioids and you're on uh, replacement therapy, that's it. You don't have alcohol. Yeah. It's out well, the window. So. Look, uh, congratulations mm. on how mm. you look and, and presenting because you look like you are fit and well and you're obviously doing mm. everything thank you, you can to, to look after your health. So yeah. good on you for doing that. Yeah. And thank you once again for coming on Pleasure. the show Thanks today. for asking me.